Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry in association with the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Simon Clancy and joined as ever by my friends Chris Kaufman and Alfredo Artiago. We're here every week to talk about the Miami Dolphins and this week it's trades, backup quarterbacks and what the hell got into Steve Ross. We'll get to the owner later, <laughs> but first, come on, but first, somebody on this podcast predicted a trade for a defensive tackle last week. I'm not saying who, no yeah. names, yeah, yeah. but he wasn't American. <laughs> no, no. And all of a sudden, along comes Akeem Spence from the Detroit Lions. Are we surprised? Are we happy? Are we done there? What do you think, boys? I found it really, really interesting because... Uh, interesting that I predicted it or... <laughs> no, no, not interesting that of you course. predicted it because you, you, you've been pretty spot on, you know? I just gave you a bunch of crap that first night because I wanted to, you know, hoist the trophy, you know, as as I picked, you know, our first round pick at 11. Although we've been picking him for about three months. But, but yeah. Very first very first episode. Yeah. Very first episode. Yeah. Make a Fitzpatrick. Whoa, yeah. whoa, this is... This- Back to me. Back to me. Bring it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get we get Akeem Spence, and the first thing, if I tell you that I've watched him play every single game last year, I'll be lying. So I started looking up his numbers, and he had a career high, 76.7 overall grade on, on Pro Football Focus, which, you know, that doesn't tell you much, but, you know, okay. He, was, he wasn't terrible. His numbers weren't bad. He's only 26 years old. But then I started, what I decided to look was through all the, all the beat writers. For the Detroit Lions. And I found one that's really interesting, which is Chris Burke. He covers the Lions for the Athletic. And he said, as soon as the trade went down, he says, I can tell you that Akeem Spence will be missed in the locker room by those of us who cover the Lions. Approachable, energetic, candid, even after, especially after tough losses. Now, if that's not keeping with the theme of this entire offseason, I don't know what is. Obviously, Chris, he's well known by our new defensive line coach, Chris Kocherek. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is, obviously. um, You know, he played under him, and so he's very familiar with him. And so that's really the first angle that you look at is he's bringing over a guy he's already coached, and he knows. I look at this, and I... You know, because I remember Akeem Spence coming out of Illinois. I looked up. Actually, what I did is I looked up my um, my you know draft eval of him coming out, and it was eerie because I thought I thought I was reading my draft eval for uh, for Jamius Pittman, the UCF defensive tackle. It was um, it was just downright identical. And what it is with Akeem Spence is he was a guy that you thought could play nose tackle, even though he's a little bit undersized for it. Um, because he plays the blocker really well. He uses his long arms. He has a, a nice wingspan um, at about six foot eight and a half inches, something like that. Um, and he uses his long arms to keep uh, guys off his body, and he works the blocker really well, and he can work and react to the ball and read the backfield really well. He was not a pass rusher. He was not a penetrator uh, coming out of Illinois. Um, he was a guy, he was a guy that, uh, had a lot of athleticism or he showed off like a lot of lateral agility, which is one of the things that I noted so much about Jamius, but, um, but he wasn't really a pass rusher. What happened is he went to Tampa Bay and he was a big disappointment. I remember him here in Tampa and he was, he was out of, out of place in their schemes here. He went up to Detroit and evidently in that wide nine defensive front and that approach that the Dolphins also use, he basically had a career renaissance. 
And so I was looking at him and you look at his combine numbers and his measurements and everything like that. And you look at those of Jamius Pittman and then you look at those of Devon Godshaw, because I remember Devon Godshaw coming out of LSU. He was also not a penetrating guy. He was he was a guy that read the backfield really well, worked the line of scrimmage and had a lot of lateral agility, could work the blockers really well. It became he became something different in Miami, in Miami system. And that's the theme. That these guys, these guys that work the line of scrimmage and react well to the to the run and use their long arms to work the blockers, they get to this wide nine approach. Akeem Spence up in Detroit, now he's coming to Miami, and and they become penetrating guys. They become disruptive weapons because they're teaching them to get off the line of scrimmage and to you know get off explosively and pin their ears back. And put their um, their priority on getting their hips in the gap and penetrating, and then asking them to react to the run. And what reacting to the run is what these guys are really good at. What they're not so good at is penetrating. But they're like, well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna teach you that. We're gonna augment that ability by letting you pin your ears back and sort of taking the leash off you. And so we're gonna augment your weakness, and then we're gonna use your strength to do something that our system makes actually kind of hard, which is to react to the run. We also brought in Terrell McLean, uh, who's kicked around the league quite a bit, former third-round pick of the Panthers, most recently with the Redskins. He didn't sign a contract, but he remains out there. You also mentioned uh, um, a lineman whose name has completely escaped me, but he's got three names. Uh, Rakim Nuno. Nunez Ruches. <laughs> yes, him. You could just call him Nacho. Yeah, as a possibility. So, you know, it's clear that they're not necessarily done at the position. They're still perhaps trying to find some component pieces potentially, and whether that's four defensive tackles, whether that's even five defensive tackles, whether you consider that Hayes inside on third down or Charles Harris inside on third down perhaps eliminates the possibility of a a fifth defensive tackle. But it's clear they're still looking, and given that they only gave up a seventh-round pick for Spence, you know, it feels like there is a battle of veterans, potentially a Spence or a McLean or, a you know, your, your friend nachos or whatever you know in the mix in terms of a training camp battle because it feels like god chow phillips and uh, and vincent taylor are certainly kind of roster you know roster bound as we stand today agree well, some i i absolutely agree and i think that because they brought in terrell mclean even after you know even after they they do that then is jonathan hankins really off the board here or off the table here uh well you know you still have to look at that because yeah. they're obviously still looking maybe some 33 looks is what's on the table Hey, could be, you know, explain, who knows? explain to the listeners out the 33 look uh, for those simple, that... uh, as simple as uh, just like you hear it, just like you've heard four, three and you've heard three, four, 33, three linemen, three linebackers. Do we know what number? I know the answer to this. Akeem Spence will wear 93. There you go. He is the full on embodiment of a damp. Oh, no, he's not. He's not. I lied. <laughs> I lied. But yes, he will wear. He will wear number 93. Now, wearing number 13 next season. Uh, in lieu of his incredible talent, will be Bryce Petty. No, he won't be wearing 13. Oh, God. God. I got nervous there for a second. (laughs) I was going to drive down to Miami myself. (laughs) But Bryce Petty, most famous for uh, intersection with uh, two Mack trucks known as Andamakan Sue and Cameron Wake in that uh, humongous defeat that we inflicted upon the hateful New York Jets at the... uh, at the New Meadowlands um, last was it last season or two seasons ago? Was it two, two seasons, seasons ago? Two seasons. Yeah, he uh, he was cut by the Jets, who had forty-two quarterbacks uh, for their mini camp, <laughs> and um, we were the only team that put in a uh, 
we were awarded him, which was a, a kind of a beautiful piece of phraseology. <laughs> awarded oh, vice president. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. wow. I'd like to be awarded Scarlett Johansson or <laughs> Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm not uh, Bryce Petty. Yeah, you I'm get Bryce sure. Petty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awarded Bryce Petty. Yeah. It, will he beat out anybody? Will he beat out David Fales? Will he beat out Brock Osweiler? Will he be the man if something, God forbid, happens to 17? Well, the first thing I see from Bryce Petty is that you go back to his Baylor career, and he was a spectacular college quarterback. He just was. Great, great, great numbers. But if if you remember in our draft podcast, I said – that Josh Rosen had every throw in the book plus a legal yellow pad where he wrote a few more throws. Well, here's the problem with Bryce Petty. He has two post-it notes with like three throws on it. <laughs> that's their that, playbook too, by the way. That was yeah. their playbook is two post-it notes. Okay, so that's going to be the problem. You're going to see him show up in probably game one of the preseason and play the fourth quarter. And he's going to make a couple of throws and you're going to say, ah, there's a professional quarterback. Then you're going to see David Fales and you're going to say, okay, why is this guy on the roster? <laughs> when David Fales is clearly, <laughs> clearly better than him. So... Yeah, I don't hold out much hope. He is young enough, so maybe he could yeah. develop into a nice, you know, third stringer. But yeah, I, mean, I don't hold out much got, hope. He's got a big arm, Chris, hasn't he? He can make all the he throws, does. but you know, he comes out of that one read system, and when he gets away from that first read and he's into his second and his third, that's when he begins to panic, and you know, balls get sprayed all over the, especially at that kind of intermediate <laughs> rate. And you know, that, that's being generous. I hit it could when you, my balls get you, sprayed. Could you get actually? Could you get the the woman that did, does our opening to say that for us on the opening now? Yeah, I definitely could. I've just done it again along with my tiny trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the animated corpse that, that is known as Bryce Petty because I think he died when um, when he got hit uh, by Miami. All, those two years ago he does have good arm talent simon you said it uh in fact i think mike mayock in that draft said that you know he thinks that he's the most talented pure thrower in this draft i, I didn't understand what it, why he was saying that but um so the baylor program under art Bryles, stephen hawking was the only other quarterback in that draft so. <laughs> that must have been it that must have yeah. been it uh so the the art briles offense is notorious at, at baylor when rg3 was there and there's a story that still makes the rounds about this about how shanahan asked baylor to to send over their playbook for rg3 and they faxed over like this this one double-sided piece of paper that had like uh, just just a number of plays on it that looked like a Tecmo Super Bowl playbook, really. <laughs> and and, and you know, yeah, each play had a variation, had a bunch of variations on it uh, listed in the top corner. But it, it's it's just so simplistic. And what I heard about Bryce Petty, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm on the sidelines at the East West Shrine uh, practices, you know, talking to, to other NFL people and scouts and. And things like that, and I heard that they had to cut that in half for Bryce Betty. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe of that. I just have never really been impressed with him as a college thrower. I think this reminds me a lot of when they just kind of toss in Brady Quinn all of a sudden. If you remember that with uh, with Adam Gase a couple yeah. of years back, and it was like you know it was the most nothing signing and he lasted like three days or something i forget what he did but um that's how i consider it i really don't think it's worth you know getting getting just, uh, caught up in just before we go to break i've got three questions for you that simply require a yes or no answer 
Will Bryce Petty be the number three quarterback on the opening day of the season? Yes or no? No. No. Will he be the number two quarterback? No. I hope will not. He, will he be the starter? <laughs> if he's the starter, I'm changing teams. <laughs> if he's the starter, then uh, then you know we're gonna we're gonna pick high next year, we're, and we're gonna we're, we're in big trouble. Alfie, yeah. he apparently does have one. Genuinely, does have one major thing going for him, which is what, given the theme of our off season. Oh, Bryce Petty. Yeah. I don't care if he's the next Winston Winston Churchill. He can't play football. <laughs> <laughs> You know, don't knock Winston Churchill because he might have been a good football player uh, I mean, in, in today's we, game. We have got a litany of T-shirts and memorabilia that we can make up, but Bryce Petty is not the next Winston Churchill. Should absolutely <laughs> be part of our merchandise range. <laughs> okay, well, before we get into the next segment where we talk about our owner, Steve Ross, uh, I want to get to our one of our sponsors, and that is the law offices of Lloyd J. Heilbrunn. Hurricane season is again upon us, and thousands of Floridians have not received fair compensation for their Hurricane Irma claims. If your claim was denied, underpaid, or assessed below your deductible, you need a free consultation with an experienced insurance attorney at the law office of Lloyd J. Heilbrunn. Call 561-627-3636 or contact through Heil Brun Law, and that would be H E I L B R U N N Law L A W dot com, and that's five six one six two seven three six three six. The law office of Loyal J Heilbrun handles insurance, personal injury, and wrongful death cases on a no fee, no cost, unless there is a recovery basis. We buried the lead. It's no fee, no cost, unless there's a recovery. Just say three yards sent you. And I really mean that because Lloyd is actually a friend. We've known him for years. Huge Miami Dolphins fan. So I would encourage you, if you want to consult an attorney, to actually contact him and make sure he said three yards, CK and Alf and Simon sent you, and you know, get a kick out of him. And then, you know, shoot shoot the breeze about the Dolphins. Okay. So he's a huge Dolphins fan. As the Mafia would say, he is good people. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's might, true. I, he, might, he might have a, a customer pretty soon because my father's been chasing around his insurance company for months now. Maybe he can <laughs> sort out my ex-wife as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we want to get to our 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 great owner Steve Ross. Oh boy, who made headlines this week and. First, it started with Ben Volan, who's actually a pal. I've had some drinks with him several times. Uh, he works for the Boston Globe now. Uh, he used to work for the Palm Beach Post back in the day. Uh, he came out with a story, or really it was just a blurb in a story, and he said that he heard from his contacts that Steve Ross made a last-minute, um, you know, last-ditch effort to implore the people in Miami, the GM and, and Mike Tannenbaum and all them, to trade down and acquire more picks. Uh, and specifically, Volan said that it was because a lower pick in the first round would save you money. I'm not sure I really believe that. I think the, the big game of telephone really um, probably did butchered up the message there. But anyway, uh, Steve Ross wanted them to trade down. He uh, told them or he asked them to, to consider it. And in the end, they convinced him to stay put and take Minka Fitzpatrick. This story was followed up by Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, who confirmed it with Ross, even by email directly from Steve Ross, 
who said a few things and we'll get to them later. But, you know, he talked about strategic trading and um, and, you know, how how teams really multiply their draft picks and uh, and all that stuff. And, and he wanted he wanted the Dolphins to consider it uh, first to you, Simon. What do you think of this story? What do you think of what our owner did? Lunacy. Lunacy. Absolute lunacy. No, I mean, it's not lunacy, but it's, you know, you just kind of think, why would you make that public? Why would you, why would you want that to be a story? You know, we're such a, we're such a franchise that's scrabbling around for, what's the word I'm looking for? For kind of, we want to be taken seriously. Credibility. 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 We want to be taken seriously. And we, you know, you're only really going to be taken seriously on the field. But, you know, given what happened last year, and obviously we can't control the hurricane, but, and we can't really control the coach and his, and his cocaine problem, or the injury to Ryan Tannehill, or the other <laughs> listing of things that happened last season. But we can't, you know, we can't control it. But you can control the owner saying that he feels he's unhappy with what we did in the draft. And you know, if you're Minka Fitzpatrick, how do you know? How do you feel about that? You know, your new owner that you probably not even met as saying, well, we probably should have traded down. I mean, really, we get a top five talent at pick eleven. But you know, and I get that. I get that. You know, everything is everybody wants to do the Patriot thing. Everybody wants to be the Patriot way and acquire more picks. And, you know, you look at the Patriots next year, I think they've got, what, one one, two twos, two threes. You know, and every year it's the same story. It's the same story. And how do they do it? How do they do it? It's because Belichick wheels and deals. So why didn't the Dolphins wheel and deal? Well, they didn't because the, uh, an elite premier talent landed on their feet at, at 11. Let's say, that, let's say that Fitzpatrick and James had gone by the time 11 came around i would happily have advocated a deal down if the elite talents weren't on the board but they were on the board and i think it's very difficult and you know i think safety is becoming a transcendent position in the nfl you look at the importance of the safety position these days and it's not recognized financially but it's certainly recognized in some of the great talents in the league when you look at the jamal adamses and the earl thomases and the you know some of the great players that are out there it's becoming a very very important position especially with the you know the athletic ability of these particular players and we we potentially have one in fitzpatrick it's not sexy it's not quarterback it's not he's not going to catch 75 passes or run for 10 touchdowns but he's going to become a very very important cog and i just feel like that sort of thing should be kept in house it doesn't need to be we don't need to be the butt of jokes on you know on the the morning sports shows and on the radio phone-ins we do that enough on the field as it is keep that sort of stuff but it's true keep that sort of stuff in house you know, that's the important thing. Let's, you know, if you're not happy or, you you know, you're questioning a decision, but also why are you questioning the decision? You haven't been out on the road with, you know, Pete Thamel's wonderful 10-part odyssey about our scouting stuff, you, you know, and Adam Engroff's story of spending 10 years in Marriott hotels. He's doing that for a reason, not for Steve Ross to sit there and say, I'm not sure about our pick at 11. That kind of, that's a bit of a kick in the teeth for all those scouts. And, you know, I just feel a bit, it just makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I, you know, and I like Steve Ross. I, I do think he is a borderline great owner, not necessarily for the some of the decisions he's made historically, but actually for a lot of the work that he does, the philanthropic work that he does, mm. the stuff that he does in the community, the stuff that he does with Rise, which is the Ross initiative for sports something or other. Equality. Which is, equality, equality. Which is a phenomenal piece of charity work that he does in the community and a, and a number of our players, notably Kenny Stills, are heavily involved in. But I just think that this was something that could easily have been avoided. Well, let me ask you, Alf, uh, you know, because Simon brought up that, hey, this is a top five player that was available at number 11 overall. Uh, 
isn't it always i mean given what chris greer said uh heading into the draft when he, he talked about last year's draft and he talked about how he had two teams on the phone uh wanting to trade up to our pick where we took charles harris and he asked them who are you taking and they said charles harris and he said okay no thank you now obviously he's going to say well you know, we've got a chance at Charles Harris. That's too good of a player for us to trade down. But is it really? I mean, you know, uh, so are we doing the same thing always? Is it always too good of a player? And at some point, are we saying, you know, that we're just not open for business the way teams should be? No, I completely disagree. And I'll tell you why. Because we were picking 11th this year, not 22nd. Mm -hmm. And when you're picking 11th, you have a shot at a handful of players that almost everybody by consensus now you know by a consensus can mean a lot of things it can mean that everybody's completely right or everybody's completely wrong but it's still a consensus which means that everybody thinks the same way everybody thinks that minka fitzpatrick is a top five player i i purposely went out and lo started looking at all the mock drafts that i found I tossed the top two quarterbacks, and he was in the top five of every single mock, drive, mock draft I could find. I only found one guy, Peter Schrager from NFL Network, that had Minka Fitzpatrick going 11 to Miami. Everybody else had him going for anywhere from 4th to the Browns to 8th to the Bears, 7th to Tampa Bay. So you identified a top five player in this draft. You have a chance to take him. Okay, It's a premium player. At what is quickly becoming a premium position, especially on a defense that needs it, a position of need, and your owner wants to go play Kevin Costner all of a sudden because he saw it on, in a movie or because he hears that the Patriots <laughs> do this every single year. Yeah, the, you, you know what the Patriots have done? Since 2004, they've made at least one trade in the first two days of the draft every single year. Okay? Mm -hmm. They have also have not retained a lot of players. We've talked about it before. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, they're balancing a team that is trying to win the Super Bowl every single year with their cap and the makeup of the team. We're not them. We're trying to get there first. You know how you get there? Mm -hmm. You get there by getting players like Minka Fitzpatrick and starting a, a base where you can build out from. And he comes out and says these things, and obviously he's the one who's leaking it. Like Ben Volen is not going to say who the, the source is. But he got it from somebody pretty close up because uh, he basically, you know, confirmed it to Salguero. And then Adam Beasley, you know, doubled down on it. So it was said. And then what makes it worse is the, is the, the email that he sent back where he says, and, I, and I'll quote, he was asked, you know, by, um, by Armando Salguero, you know, what did he think about, you know, you know how they did. And he, all he sent back, and this is a guy that sat at a computer or at his phone or wherever, his desktop. Who cares? He was thinking about it. When you type something, you think about it. When you speak into a microphone or a telephone, you know, you probably don't, you know, have the time to put your words together. But all he typed out yeah, was... Lord knows I don't. Okay. All he typed out was, we'll oh. see. Nobody knows for sure with this stuff. That's it. I can, I can tell you something else that he, he wrote as well, actually, because I spoke to Armando. He said that Ross wrote, Vontae Mack, no matter what. I believe Come it, too. On. You brought up the Kevin Costa reference. I can't believe that went over your, your boy's head. No, I know. I, I was just in shock because I, I thought that he actually wanted to draft Mont Bonte Mack. <laughs> you know, I'm, just not, I'm just not convinced. Somebody has to prove to me that Stephen Ross does not have a born-to-lose tattoo on his on his chest because 
Because this offseason, okay, you could say, oh, it started off pretty rocky. You know, we lost some nice players. But I think we've done a pretty nice job of recovering since then. He's a big dude, Chris, isn't he? We've stood next to him. He's a big guy, Steve. Yeah, he is. He is. He is big. Um, As shocked as I was about... um, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon I'm Drake, yeah. Shocked. I was equally as shocked by Steve Ross's height and his elbow patches on his uh, seat. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a true story. And, and of course, Indomitian Sue was. I, I was just afraid of him. It was like being in a in, in a place with a bull that's like you know yeah. out and about and just you know might turn on you. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna things, go one ahead. One of the funniest things I ever heard. One of the funniest things I ever heard. Now that you that you mention, you talk about Stephen Ross's appearance is uh, uh, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank. One time mm. on the Libertad show, they said that he looked like the type of guy that would tie a damsel in distress to the railroad tracks as a villain. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah. It does, I, just, to say that, I, that I'm a little bit perturbed about what mm. Stephen Ross did here in the, in the last few days, then yeah, yeah, it's, it's not good. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opposite side, and I'm not just trying to be devil's advocate here because there, these are some of the things that I really believe in. First off, whoever leaked that to Ben Volen, I'm not sure it was Ross himself. I know that he did confirm it with our local guys, but the fact that this this financial thing was put kind of pr- front and center in uh, in what Volen wrote was that. You know, he wanted to trade down because a late first round pick is cheaper. Um, whoever was whoever was saying that and putting that front and center for Volan, I don't think was a friend of Ross. Um, because if one thing has been clear over time, Steve Ross does not pinch pennies when it comes to the players and the salary cap. And I think that they've proven that over time. They stretch the salary cap to its absolute utmost limits uh, every seemingly every year. And Steve Ross just signs off on it. So I don't think that um, somebody was necessarily doing him a favor there. I think he did go ahead and sort of confirm some of his thoughts. But this is this is what you look at every year. And I know that we're all kind of Patriots fetishists, but what else can he be when uh, when a team dominates the league for nearly 20 years? Um, but the teams like the Patriots don't necessarily succeed with the draft by having a higher success rate than everybody else. It's almost impossible to have a higher success rate with your draft picks than everybody else over a long period of time. You have 31 other teams spending just as many man hours as you, with just as much intelligence as you, spending millions and millions of dollars on sports science and analytics and all kinds of neat tools, all to get an edge, and every single one of their goal is to pick the best players before you can get them. It is impossible. It is a battle royale. Everybody fighting against each other. It's a constant war of attrition, and the the resources and man hours just keep ratcheting upward. And it's easy to get left behind. Don't don't say it's a crapshoot because guys like Matt Millen found found out the hard way. It while it is almost impossible to get ahead of everybody, it is really easy to fall behind everybody if you're not working with the same intelligence and you're not working with the the same. Um, man hours and resources but you know so it's really hard to to succeed in the draft by getting a high you know success rate on your picks what teams like the Patriots do is they just they just increase the size of their pie they give themselves more at bats they trade down they get more picks they trade uh, veterans on their last legs for more picks and my favorite absolute favorite 
they trade a present third round pick for a future second round pick like virtually every year it seems like and whoever is on the other side of that trade trade i i always just want to slap them because it's like why are you doing that you're just giving them free draft resources there's this pervasive and completely fallacious theory out there that uh, a, a second rounder today is worth a first rounder next year or that a third rounder today is worth a second rounder next year and yeah if you're a moron that's true uh if you're a complete idiot and you have no idea i mean this is not backed by anything macroeconomic financial or mathematical okay so so this is free money and the patriots do it every year and at some point if you're steve ross and you're seeing these strategic trades and you're seeing teams that increase the size of their pie, increase their number of at-bats. And you're looking at Miami and we never do that. We never do that in the same way. It's always a player that's just too good to give up. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick is too good to give up. Charles Harris is too good to trade down and get more picks. Uh, aren't you looking at this and saying, well, then when? You know, when when is that okay? Why are we the team constantly that is more likely to be at the other end the ass end of that trade and give up the the future second rounder for the present third rounder or whatever we did when we we took Leonte Carew um you know that why are we that team why are we why aren't we the ones making the strategic uh the strategic moves that take advantage of these other guys that are really just trying to save their own skins and operating with job insecurity, which is a source of market inefficiency. And why aren't we taking advantage of that? And I think that was the argument that Steve Ross had. I think that he had a point. It was a question that needed to be asked. They needed to just justify this to him. They needed to say, this is why. This is why we're doing it. And he, in the end, he let them make the decision. He did not overrule them. He let the football people make the football decision. Can I throw the caveat into the mix that obviously, you know, we took Jamar Fletcher over Drew Brees. We took Jake Long over Matt Ryan. We took Ronnie Brown over Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. Let's just put Ross's hat on and let's say we made that trade. And let's say it was with New Orleans. And uh, and we know for a fact that you know New Orleans or Green Bay, who eventually traded with New Orleans, were not the first team that the Saints called. You know, so that we you know we could certainly float the possibility that they called Miami at 11 to move back to 27. Let's say we did do that. We picked up that next year's first rounder, which Green Bay have, uh, have now have now banked. Who do you think we might have taken at pick 27 rather than at 11? I don't know who they would have taken, but I know that Taven Bryan was on the board, and I, I loved him, and, and that was a, a defensive tackle that would have been worth having. Alf, do you think we would have taken Lamar Jackson? I think that if they had they done that, I think that that's who Stephen Ross probably would have lobbied for and they would have thrown mm. their hands up and said well they already made us throw away our entire draft at least yeah. what we worked for for the last four months let's just make the owner happy and i think that's the wrong way to run a, a franchise well no i would disagree with that because we simon you you brought up you know that this is um the new orleans deal and uh and what they offered. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily hypothetical because I was told the morning of the draft that the the clubhouse leader, as far as the the uh, the strategy for the draft, was a trade down and a trade way down to the bottom of the first. This is before anybody knew that New Orleans was really on the horn with anybody. That it was a trade way down to the bottom of the first round, and then we find out that New Orleans, you know, was basically calling anybody after the top ten because the top ten 
the fifth year option is calculated a different way. It's much more expensive if you get into the top 10. So starting at number 11 overall, and evident, evidently they, they executed that with number 14 overall, they were contacting these teams and offering their next year's first round pick to try and get Marcus Davenport. Now, so, so it's not really hypothetical. They were offered that deal. And if you're trying to, so you, you think about what Steve Ross was pitched by these guys at the front office. Was he pitched Minka Fitzpatrick? No, they didn't think he was going to be available. They didn't pitch him Minka Fitzpatrick. Was he pitched Roquan Smith? No, they didn't think he was going to be available either. Who who did they pitch to him? Well, I was told on draft day from inside the Dolphins facility that they liked Derwin James, but they do not like him at 11 overall. That, you know, maybe in a trade down. Well, maybe in a trade down is what we kept hearing over and over again about all these players. Deron Payne, maybe in a trade down. Leighton Vanderesh, maybe in a trade down. Rashawn Evans, maybe in a trade down. The theme is the trade down. So when they pitched Steve Ross and they said to him, you know, this is what it looks like is going to happen. This is what it's going to, you know, we know they weren't going to take Josh Rosen. I mean, that came out. Uh, so, so what did they pitch him? They probably pitched him on a trade down. So if he was in that mindset, it wasn't, you know, it's not like, oh, we're just throwing away our entire draft. Now this is what they pitched him. And now he's asking, why does it change all of a sudden? Why does it change all of a sudden? You gave me all these great reasons why a trade down was okay. Why is it suddenly, well, we got to have Minka Fitzpatrick. We got to have him. Well, because it's Minka Fitzpatrick. Because <laughs> if Earl Thomas, if you could get Earl Thomas for a second round pick, I don't care who you are, and I don't care who you have at free safety, you trade your second round pick. And when your owner says, why are you trading a second round pick for this really expensive free safety? And you tell your owner, you know why? Because he's an expensive free safety for a reason. He's one of a handful of players that actually does make a difference. Well, they think that they're drafting Earl Thomas. And you got to be smart enough to sit down with your owner and tell him, look, Steven, or boss, or Mr. Ross, or whatever the hell you <laughs> call him, and tell him, uh, this is why you take Minka Fitzpatrick right here. Because he's a special kind of player. He's a guy that will make a difference. He'll make a difference in the locker room. He'll be a signature player. That's a guy. That's something I've been trying to. That, I think we've spoken about this before about signature players. How many of those do we have on this team? Like really, how, how many do we have? Cameron Wake. I guess you can make a, a pretty good case for Rashad Jones. Well, now mm. you got Minka Fitzpatrick. Now you got three, and that's not all that bad. You used to have another one in Jarvis Landry. He's gone. So, you know if. If the owner is really all hell-bent on as far as strategy, shouldn't the strategy be to get good players and, in fact, great players? And when you have an opportunity to, to draft that high to really make it count, I think that's making it count. Getting a guy there at 11 that you know is going to be a good player. And to be honest with you, I'll be shocked if he's not a good pro. Now, am I going to put him in the Hall of Fame? No, nobody knows anything about that. But, you know, am I pretty certain he's going to be a good pro? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty certain he will be a good pro. And with that, we're going to go to break. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about more about Stephen Ross, how he wasn't all that impressed about rounds one through two through three, and probably the entire draft. He probably hates Callum Balage too. But first, these words. <laughs> Hello, this is Chris Joseph, co-host of The Bulls Cast. Some of you might have heard our earlier promos on this podcast and wondered, what in the holy shit fuck is Balls Cast thing all about? Well, Balls Cast is a comedy podcast about Miami sports, culture, and politics, and sex, and food. You know, all the shit that matters to those of us who call the 305 home. 
We also throw in parody songs and comedy sketches and invite the occasional cool-ass guests and my co-host Slim and I do all of this while completely baked out of our gourds. So, if you love Miami sports, but you're also into laughing and living your fullest life in this beautiful city we call our home, then please download BallsCast wherever you consume your podcasts. Then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy. Now, listen to some fart noises. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas, and this week we had Evan Cohen of ESPN West Palm and Sirius XM Mad Dog Radio. We talked trades, off-season scenario, how better is justice, and Evan also eviscerated LeBron. Well, he brought Miami championships, please. Miami taught him how to win, brought him two championships. I remember 06. Where's his before coming to Miami? Give me a freaking break. Okay, I mean that was ridiculous. I was on the air that night. They won a championship. I was I was doing weekends and nights and random filling stuff on QAM. They win a championship, and I'm on the air all night. I don't remember talking about LeBron that night, so I don't want to hear that. Find that and more on the latest Miami Heat Beat podcast. You can find us at MA Heat Beat on Twitter and expect a new episode every Monday until the end of the NBA playoffs. Now on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. This week on the Five Reasons Podcast, we're joined by the original coach of the Miami Heat, Ron Rothstein. If I remember correctly, we're in the locker room one night, and next thing you know, the door opens, and here comes Shaq with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and he wheels the wheelbarrow into the locker room, and he had all the 15 strong cards in the wheelbarrow and dumped them on the floor in the middle of the locker room. Everybody's looking at one room, like, what is this? And they were the cards. That's how we introduced the 15 strong to the team. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Pat Riley <laughs> Pat Riley had Shaq use a wheelbarrow and dump yeah. him in the locker room. That was his way of introducing it to the team. I think so. I think that's, that's what incredible. I remember. Incredible. Multiple brilliant stories just like that one. Check out the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Five Reasons Podcast. And we're back, and we do encourage you to listen to the Balls cast and to Miami Heat Beat and, of course, the flagship, which is Five Reasons. So, guys, when before we left and went on to break, we talked about Stephen Ross, and we talked about him at length. He doesn't seem all that impressed with what we got in rounds one, two, and three. And, you know, I speculated he probably doesn't like Callum Balaj either. So, you know, <laughs> Damn him for that. Yeah, so I'm going to go to you, Simon. Simon, what do you make of this? This is a this is an owner who's who's obviously who obviously hates football. Let, let's just let's just get it out in <laughs> out in the open. Come on. We thought the Dol- <laughs> we thought the Dolphins had beaten the fandom out of most people, but they they're beating the fandom out of their own owner. What do you make I mean, of I, this? I, I just go back to what I said ten minutes ago. Keep it in house. You don't need to talk about it again. If you're just sicky and you're you're Jerome Baker. What are you thinking when the, you hear that the owner of your new team is like, oh, well, we shouldn't take this guy. We shouldn't. I mean, really? Is that really kind of, I, I don't know. It just seems like a ridiculous strategy, but it's it, it, it's exactly the same as, as what happened at pick 11. Just keep that stuff 
in-house. It's boring. Nobody wants to hear that stuff. And you just end up making a national mockery of yourself. And for somebody who's been so successful in business, mm. I can't understand why sometimes the, these just little brain farts just squeak out because they they affect the narrative. And we've talked on every podcast about the narrative surrounding the dolphins. And the narrative is a negative one. And you've got to do something to change it. But making stupid comments in the media and then reiterating them to, to local beat writers is only going to extend that narrative. And it's stupid stop doing it and i think that's a really good point um i think you know yeah keeping in houses is a message that maybe sometimes these these owners these billionaire owners like they forget it sometimes but also they must think you know hey we own the team so that we don't have to behave by somebody else's rules we we can do whatever we want to but i i agree with you best left in house on the other hand i will say that if he's a little bit frustrated with the draft um, and again, I'm coming from somewhere. I like Micah Fitzpatrick. I like Mike Gesicki and I like Jerome Baker. So, uh, the first three picks all were good picks to me. And I really love this off season. In fact, uh, you know, by the time this podcast is released, I will probably be releasing my 35 reasons that I love this off season, uh, on Twitter. So you can look at that at, at three yards per carry. I'll be releasing that. And we're going to push the tweet storm to its absolute limits there. Um, but yeah, I think I can see why he's frustrated, particularly because of the um, the juxtaposition of this offseason with a year ago. And what he's looking at as as this draft goes on is, OK, one year ago, uh, his front office comes to him and they convince him to dump truckloads of money on one T.J. McDonald even though he was already under contract for a year, and even though he was about to serve half a year of suspension and had not played a game yet for the Miami Dolphins, but they've got to give him $6 million up front all of a sudden just what just because. And they convince him to do that. They convince him to dump a truckload of money on Julius Thomas, the tight end, even though he clearly hadn't played well in Jacksonville and was not worth what seven and a half million or whatever that they were they're gonna give him. But they're convinced him, oh yeah, you know, this this will take care of the tight end position. And then they can and they also convince him to give truckloads of money to Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons. Now you fast forward and all of a sudden in this draft on day one and two, we're getting Minka Fitzpatrick to replace TJ McDonald. We're getting Mike Gesicki to replace Julius Thomas. And we're getting Jerome Baker to immediately replace Lawrence Timmons and eventually probably replace Kiko Alonso, who we all kind of agree is only here because he has a guaranteed salary. And by 2019, he's probably out the door. At, does Ross look at this and say, you know, are we going up the down escalator here? I mean, this is this is frustrating to him. It has to be. I think, you know, he also has to look at this and say, look at the the Indomitian Sue thing. They get rid of Indomitian Sue who took $60 million of Steve Ross's money over the last three years. All right. The very first thing Mike Tannenbaum does when he convinces, when he gets the, the top job is convince Steve Ross to give the biggest non-quarterback contract ever given to Indomitian Sue. And then they get rid of Indomitian Sue and say that you're not worth $17 million this year. And then they don't replace him like pretty much at all. No draft pick, no you know free agent because, oh, well, defensive tackle is not that important. If defensive tackle is not that important, why did you convince me to give the biggest non-quarterback contract ever to this guy in the first place and let him take $60 million of my money? And now you look at the quarterback position, and we will get to that 
next segment, I know. But, you know, last year we all thought Tannehill was ready to go. And then, oops, you know, he's not. And we're doing nothing to prepare ourselves better for the possibility that that happens again. So at this point, like Steve Ross is looking uh, at all this and he's got to be saying, you know, really, guys? I mean, I, I think what he's just doing and he's putting this message out there. He's putting this message out in the papers for a reason. He's putting them on notice. He's putting Mike Tannenbaum particularly on notice. Notice what he's talking about, about strategic trades and strategic vision and stuff like that. He's putting these guys on notice. Hey, I'm watching and I'm not buying it. I don't have confidence in you right now. And you need to restore that confidence. And so he's putting pressure on them. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Mike Tannenbaum fan, fan, but I'll tell you what, his intentions are good. And when I say that his intentions are good, he goes for it. Like, he may be wrong, but he makes moves with total disregard for his own job, which is something that we haven't seen here before, okay, in a long time, really. Probably since Shula, Jimmy Johnson, you could say. But we all remember that offseason when we lost Ricky Williams and Dave Wanstead went out and traded a third-round pick for Lamar Gordon, mm-hmm. of all people. Mm-hmm. Now, was that a forward-looking move? No, that was a save-your-ass move. That was a let's-hope-we-win-nine-games move and I could, you know, get another one-year extension on my on my job. Now, you know, on TJ McDonald, yeah, the extension was a mistake, okay? The contract was probably a mistake. But does it really matter now? What matters now is that we have three capable safeties that can all play together. Now, Julius Thomas was a shot. Now, we took a shot. We missed. No harm, no foul. He's gone. And now you got a long term. That was base. an expensive shot. That was, it was. A, that was I I it mean, was. you have to consider that, that we are talking I mean, think about how much money a guy like Kenny Stills makes at, per year and Julius Thomas basically made nearly as much uh for for his one year in Miami to be quite frankly awful. I agree. I agree, but you're you, you know, you got to figure that your head coach vouched for him or wanted him and wanted him to augment his quarterback coming off a knee injury. Now, of course, Ryan Tannehill got hurt again. And then you had Jay Cutler throwing to Julius Thomas. And then Julius Thomas was a total failure. Yeah, but you replace him. He's gone. He's off the books right now. And you replace him with a long-term fix in, in Mike Gusecki. So now that's who you're married to. If Mike Gusecki's terrible, then okay, now you could really point fingers at Greer, at the whole front office, at the scouting staff, at Gase, at Tannenbaum especially. And then when you get mm-hmm. to the last one, which is Kiko Alonso, there's really no excuse for that. Like, that extension was just bad business. Now, I happen to really, really like Kiko Alonso's 2016. I thought he had an effective season. I didn't think he was mm-hmm. an all-pro, but was he a good player? Was he a plus player on our team? I think he was. Mm-hmm. Now, can he regain, can he regain that, that form? If he does, if he regains that form, then I guess, okay, we're fine. We're still looking to replace him. But, yeah, we're, we're fine. Timmons... You know, I don't know. We got kind of got we we got lucky on Timmons that he decided to go crazy in the weekend in San Diego, but yeah, you know, you you replace these guys with long term fixes now in in Jerome Baker, hopefully in some scheme fixes with Burke. And I look at it more as no harm, no foul, and the intentions were good. And if Stephen Ross has problems with a guy who actually makes moves with total disregard for his own job, that's a guy that I kind of like working for me because that's a guy that has conviction in his opinions and in the players that he's going out to get for me. You know, I'd rather have that than what we've had here before, which is, oh, just patch everything up really, really, really quick, make it look really, really pretty. We win nine games, then we just point fingers everywhere else. And then, you know, ah, you can't fire me because, uh, you know, look, look, look at the guys that I got. You know, I really went for it. No, no, I think the intentions are good. 
I think the plan is good, and I think that this is really counterproductive what Stephen Ross is doing. I, and just one quick point that I would make, though, that I would say a, a source of frustration, and not just for Steve Ross, it's got to be for any of us, is it seems like, doesn't it seem almost to you like they're learning sort of on the job what's actually important in football? I mean, defensive tackle is really important in football. This is how you build a team. This is how you pressure Tom Brady. You get in Dominic and Sue, and you got to get this huge contract. And then all of a sudden, oh no, defensive tackle? What? You know, defensive tackle is not important. We're gonna no. It's all about the defensive ends. It's all about uh, the coverage and, and linebackers. Uh, or, or last year, you know, Lawrence Timmons. We got to get a real, you know, aggressive pounder like him. That doesn't have any speed left, but you know this is this is who we've got to uh, pair with Kiko Alonso because that's the way our defense works. That's what we need. And then it's like, well, that didn't work out. Well, actually, what we really need is a fast dude like Jerome Baker. It's like, well, you're learning on the job. You're just kind of making this up as we go along. I mean, these are these are the guys that are important to you one year, and then all of a sudden it's not like last year. Guard, guard's not important. Guard's not. We're gonna take a bunch of trash at guard, and that's okay. Uh, and then a year later, we're signing Josh Satan because, oops, sorry, uh, actually, guard's kind of important. One other thing that Steve Ross is frustrated about is the uh, quarterback position. I mean, he's he seems pissed off with everything, but um, he was also um, he was also uh, disappointed that the Dolphins didn't draft a quarterback. Um, so again, what do we think here? I mean, if you're Ryan Tannehill, you've worked hard for 18 months to come back from two pretty serious knee injuries, and there you go, you've got your owner saying. Phew, should have taken a quarterback. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's welcoming you back into the building with open arms, isn't it? I got something very, very quickly on that. Okay, Let's Tom, do it. Uh, the thinking could easily be this. Tom Brady blew out his knee at the age of 31, and he's played 10 years since then at a very, very high level. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill is not better than Tom Brady, but he is absolutely a much better athlete. So... Mm. You got to figure he's going to be okay. The odds, like if you had to bet, is he going to be okay or not going to be okay? I would say medicine's gotten better in the last 10 years. I would say, yeah, he's going to be okay. Well, guess what? The guy you hired, your next Don Shula, Adam Gase, is screaming at you. He couldn't be he couldn't be saying it any louder unless he started his own podcast and just called it the Ryan Tannehill Hour. Okay? He is telling you, I like this guy. Not only do I like this guy, I love this guy. I love this guy enough that I'm not gonna even gonna draft the guy. I'm gonna I love this guy so much I'm gonna put Brock Osweiler behind him. Okay. <laughs> uh, so now you you hired this guy. He's you, telling you, you just ruined court- you just ruined the mood with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you hired this guy and he's telling you I like this quarterback. And what do you go out and do? Ah, we didn't draft uh, Kyle Lutter. Well, why Kyle Lutter? I heard Mike Mayock talk to, talk about him a little bit. So you know, mm-hmm. like, like, do you think that's how Ross talks? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, he like grumbles. Cat. He kind of grumbles. He's my. He's more like like, oh, 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 oh. something like that. I would say. That sounds like Elvis. Yeah, kind of. He's like a cross. Elvis. He's Elvis if Elvis was like ninety-five years old. <laughs> well, I'll reverse course here and say that uh, that um, I'm going to disagree with Steve Ross on this one um, because you know what I'm tired of is I'm tired of this. Then this has happened a couple of times in Miami's history where we have taken a guy, you know, not with a premium uh, pick or not with a premium asset in trade. Uh, it happened when we traded a second-round pick for A.J. Feely. 
And the following year, Nick Saban comes in and, you know, he, he hires or he brings on Gus Verratt to compete with A.J. Feely. And, you know, we'll find out what this trade, this guy that we traded a second round pick for has or Gus Verratt can start for. And so we're passing on Aaron Rodgers or, uh, you know, we take uh, with a second round pick John Beck. And, you know, hey, I liked John Beck. But the fact of the matter is when when Bill Parcells and company got in, they had John Beck and they wanted to go ahead and see what he has in addition to hiring some veteran help uh, first with Josh McCown, interestingly enough, and then uh, with Chad Pennington. And, and so because and the, before they even got Pennington, they had already passed on Matt Ryan. And they said, well, no, we don't need Matt Ryan because um, because we have this mid round pick guy that we can try and see what he has. And we also have a veteran. I'm tired of that approach. I like, I like 2012 a lot better when Joe Philbin came in and it was a clean break from Chad Henney and they went ahead and, and took their guy uh, with, you know, at the top of the first round in Ryan Tannehill. That's been one of our best experiences. So I don't know about taking this mid round quarterback and then let's say things really do go upside down with Tannehill this year. And then we're like, ah, oh, well, you know, we got to see what Kyle Laletta does before we go ahead and, and you know, make a commitment to a Jake Bentley or, uh, or somebody like that. Um, you know, I, I don't like that. I really don't. If you're not going to go for one of those top guys and they decided they weren't going to go for one of those top guys, and I can understand it, you know, given where they went and how expensive it would have been and, and, um, you know, Adam Gase having the perspective with his best friend, Jed Fish, on Josh Rosen, if they were going to decide against those guys, then forget it. Then really forget it. You know, we're either we're ride or die with Ryan Tannehill in 2018. And if we die, then we're going to get a high pick and we're going to really make the um, the investment in the right guy uh, and, and not play this, you know, kind of monkey in the middle crap. Well, Chris, before you take us out, we, I know we didn't get to listener questions this week, but I am going to get to one, which is from David Evans at UK Fins. What a beautiful, perfect Twitter handle. <laughs> okay. And he writes Not Juju at, Simba 7777. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last, last week that was a disaster. I don't know why I picked that one. But, yeah, he writes to add three yards per carry. For the next pod, why is the national media so down on the Dolphins team considering the potentially excellent draft we just had? Also, what is behind the Ross story? Well, sir, you just answered your own question. The national yeah. media is down on this team because your own owner perpetuates all this crap. And he did That's it true. all week because it was on first take. It was on that godforsaken show on Fox Sports 1. It was everywhere. It was on NFL Live. Everybody was talking about how the owner thinks that we that we just drafted a bunch of crap. So... There, sir. There's your answer. Uh, and, and we're and we're we're ending this really depressing. Um, but I do want to say again, this is three yards per carry. We're on the Five Reasons Sports Network uh, with Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham. You can listen to their podcast. We also have the Miami Heat Beat, and we have the Balls Cast. Follow those guys at Five. That's the number Five Reasons Sports. Or you can follow our Twitter account. That's at Three. The number Three Yards Per Carry. Contact us at uh, hashtag 3YPC and uh, otherwise follow us on Twitter and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean or your usual podcast provider.
When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.